Welcome everybody to Asset Blocks Business Owner Edition because wealth creation is different for Australian business owners. Today, we're going to be talking about the wealth opportunity, business owners' unfair advantage, but cue the disclaimer first. Charlie here from Asset Blocks, and I need to let you know that this is a disclaimer. Grant, myself, and the Asset Blocks team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you personalized financial or investment advice. We're merely sharing our own experiences and opinions, but you should absolutely seek the help of professionals before acting on anything you hear in this podcast or on our brand. So, this topic is important because no one talks about it. Most business owners like myself have seen their business as a liability, especially when it comes to wealth creation, going into banks, getting rejected. However, there's a lot more benefits than meets the eye. It's just a matter of knowing the knowledge or even having the experience that Charlie and I have had <laughs> and learning from those stories as we share our experience. So, if you are looking to grow your wealth and you're looking to learn from our stories, this episode is exactly what you're looking for. So, if you would like access to any of our calculators, templates, or checklists for free, head over to assetblocks.com.au, check out the free resources for our wealth creation tools. And if you enjoy the show, be sure to subscribe and share it with someone who is in the same situation as you, as it might help them. Now, without further ado, let's dive into the episode. Charlie, if you had have told me a few years ago that business owners had an unfair advantage within the wealth creation game, I would have caught you crazy. As I look at it, I'm like, I'm walking to the banks. And I'm like, getting no, getting laughed at, getting spat on. And I'm like, this, this is just not designed for me. This is designed for employees. So, let's start off by actually really understanding, like, where does this unfair advantage come from? Yeah, I love this quote. I'm going to use this quote. It's like, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, you'll forever be disappointed. Um, And I feel like that is so much true in this whole uh, space. So, and the key insight here is we are the fish. So, if you want to imagine in the example we're going through here, everyone who is employed or potentially in some sort of employment is like someone that, let's say a monkey, right? They're going to climb up that tree. Like you can look at it and go, awesome, that's great for you. Us as the fish, the business owner here, it's like that's not the skill set we have. And if we try to play the game like the monkey, we're not really going to work here. But where it gets interesting, and it's not that one's better or worse, it's just that they're different, very, very different. Is this, If this was a swimming race, we're going to win. Like you've got to work to what you're designed for. And I think business owners haven't been educated or informed enough on that. And I'm sure we're going to share plenty of our own stories and things that have happened to us along the way and probably throw shots at the banks several times. <laughs> I don't reckon there's going to be an episode where I don't throw shots at the bank. That's so fine with that. One of the very first things that I always look at is as an unfair advantage in my experience has always been the time flexibility. And what do I mean by this? This is the ability to choose whenever you work or at least adjust whatever you're doing to match the circumstances you're facing. But I see it in two parts, right? First part I see is the immediate. So, oh my gosh, something's burning, something's falling down, I need to act now. Versus, uh, and the second one is looking at it in longevity. So, every single week on a Wednesday morning, I need to do X, right? And as business owners, we have this flexibility. And as a story, only the other week, I was setting up a property within a trust and the bank called and they said, hey, uh, there's something wrong. Uh, the person who witnessed your stat deck didn't do it properly. And it was actually the branch that 
made the mistake anyway. So I had to literally drop what I did because settlement was the next day and run to the bank, reprint everything off, get signatures and submit it. And if I was an employee, I would not have been able to do that. So like, what has your experience been with this? And can you expand on it? Yeah, definitely. I, I love that example. That Similar things have happened to me, but I'll, I'll share a couple of my own. Is I found, and this isn't true for all cases, but in a lot of cases, the best financial advisors aren't available on weekends and evenings. You can only get appointments with them during the week. And I think that maybe you've got some flexibility with your work if you are employed. But as a business owner, your ability to book that stuff in, plan around it without there being any real repercussions is a massive one. And I've done that several times. So access to people in their working hours when they're at their best as well. Like I don't want a financial advisor after he's been working with people all day and I'm getting the scraps. Like I want the best of their brain, very focused on my stuff at a time that's suitable uh, to get access to. And then the second one, uh, I'm sure we'll cover this in another episode in more detail, but I've actually done a property development. Like I uh, did take that on board and go with that. Now, that was a project that needed a little bit of time. I won't say every week, but we'll say every couple of weeks. And particularly Bianca, my partner, was way more involved in it. But the advantage here was if I know, and this could be applied to so many investing strategies, that, hey, I'm going to need a few hours every week, is I can set my business up to do that. But I don't yep. know many employers that you could go to if you, or someone who is employed, I should say, and go, do you know what? I'm, I'm doing this. Like I'm going to readjust my hours to make that so. So, and a lot of people who, let's say, are employed here doing those types of things end up doing it a lot in the nights and evenings where it isn't their best time, or they have to make other compromises and sacrifices to pull it off. So, time flexibility is such a powerful tool that can be used, again, in harmony with our business, not at the expense of. Yeah, and I completely relate to that. So, when I talk to the accountants, buyers, agents, et cetera, that I've used to create the wealth that we've got... It is always during the day and I always set them in the morning. Why? Because I set myself up as the day starts to think critically through it. I go, well, how am I going to challenge this? How am I going to face these people? But I also have it scheduled every week, every month, every quarter during the day to your point because they're not available all the time or on Saturdays or Sundays, or at least they don't want to deal with me on a Saturday or Sunday. What about just our listening skills, right? You have a big day at, uh, you know, in business, I'm coming in and they're saying this, it's not sinking in, right? I, I, I mean, this might just be me, but I like don't particularly want to have very important conversations in the depth of my evening. I want to do it when I'm fresh as well. And I think that, and I think that goes back to like those decisions, right? You've, what, you've got the 100% of decisions and every decision you make throughout the day just burns down at that 100% capacity until you get to the end of it and you're just like, oh, no, now I can't make a decision. So, that's probably a reason why a lot of people who are trying to analyze at night, they're just like, ah, oh, man, I just don't want to make a decision or don't want to make a call. But having that flexibility around dropping something and just jumping on solving it, but also being able to time box these repetitive tasks of, okay, I'm going to talk to this, I'm going to evaluate my... Uh, properties, I'm going to evaluate my investments, etc. Each Monday, for example, in the morning is is one of the biggest keys. So, for yourself, second, what, what do you think is another unfair advantage for business owners in wealth creation? Oh, this might just be the biggest one. Might be. All right, well, of course, the many on the list to come. Income control, being able to be the destiny. What is it? Control your own destiny here yep. as business owners. And I, I might lead this one off as an example. Um, if you are someone who's employed, you very much, if you need to make an extra $1,000, your options are not the same. 
So you can maybe be more frugal or save an extra thousand through sacrificing lifestyle or expenses, or you can drive Uber at night or do whatever is required as a little bit of a side hustle. They're, they're pretty much the options. I realize there's many different forms of employment and tons of people have bonuses and that, but in general here. On the business owner side of things though, is like you can totally just create more. And it doesn't necessarily mean more of your time either. It just means that you might sell some extra products or run your business in a certain way to create that. And I think this is a huge one that often, again, we don't use it that way we should. Yeah, and you've got, could you also got the flip side, which is the expenses, right? So, you can obviously earn more, which is, hey, you know what? I can sell more today or I can do a new launch of a new product or a new service. But ways that I've also done this before is I will just hold on to revenue, right, for a longer period of time. So, I have cash reserves so that I can trigger this off to improve lending and stuff like that, which we'll cover off into the next conversations, but also restricting expenses, right? Like as an employee, the only expenses that you can really restrict is your household, right? Like, okay, I'm not going to go and buy new clothes. I'm not going to go and buy this stuff. But as business owners, we have a plethora of expenses that we can restrict, right? We can cancel subscriptions. We can use new suppliers for um, maybe services that we've got or otherwise. Um, but you've also got like employee expenses, which are usually the biggest that people have. And so now you go, okay, well, where do, which lever do I want to push and pull in order to leverage my business the best to create my wealth? And I, I've done that before in my previous business, which was, okay, great. Like instead of me focusing in so hard on pushing for sales, I'm going to dial that back down, which means that we're going to maintain what we've currently got so that it does generate the profit that I'm looking for so that then I can control the income that I have, which is just a lever that no one has well, yeah, unless yeah. you're a business owner. T- totally. Can you imagine you're an employee going into work and like, hey, boss, I need you to maintain your profitability a little bit at the moment right now. It's like you just don't have that like, in the same ways. Like you really get a whole new level of control when it comes to your income and how you use it. So I think it's a phenomenal advantage, once again, that uh, is just something not thought about enough. And on top of that as well, I think a lot of what we see for an employee's perspective is they're training time for income, right? So even you, using your example of delivering for Uber or doing cashies on a weekend or whatever other examples that people do to try and bring in a little bit more, like business owners have that leverage where it's not the effort that they're putting in equals more money they're creating, right? So they could go and acquire another business to go and boost their income. They have so many different options, which is not just trading time for the income, which no one else has. And so I I, I like income control. I see them as as that is one of the biggest components. But it's funny, I don't want to step on some of the other points that we're going to be mentioning here because it this income control actually creates quite a lot more because my third point for the episode actually comes back to lending, right? So, you having a business is an unfair advantage after the first two years <laughs> compared to an employee. Why? Because you, you can push and pull with those levers, right? And I always use the examples of levers. So, I can reduce my income this month, next month, month after in order to prepare for a good position for lending into the next six months, 12 months, or I can load up on my income, right, in order to improve my lending. So, I can adjust my business to improve my position or even my family's position for lending depending on what I'm going to do for wealth creation. And so, I I see lending as just one of the great benefits as being a business owner. 
Yeah, I've got some stories on this one I really want to share. And I'm laughing a little bit just because I think they're hilarious. They're absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Um, when I first started in business, I wanted to get a home loan for myself, so slightly different. And I remember basically being rejected. Like I look at this and just go like, you, that we're not going to lend you any money, you're high risk, all these things. And probably rightly so. I was a very fresh business at this time. But I think a lot of business owners aren't necessarily aware that that's how they're being looked at. Yeah. And I think a lot of business owners, and I know we're going to talk about this more, are running high expenses through their business, intentionally looking like they're not making money, which in, in turn decreases their borrowing as well. But, th- but they'll always say they're saving on tax, but I won't go there yet. <laughs> now, I'll go fast forward many years later and just use an example. So when Valamedia, and this isn't too long ago, in a previous financial year, let's just say had a very reasonable year, and then in the one that just passes, so I crossed June 30 and we'd had a substantially better uh, financial year, literally between the weeks of those financials year, my borrowing capacity went up like a million dollars. Now, again, the business hadn't changed dramatically. It was just the way that borrowing works for business owners. If you've got two years of great books, they look at it and go, wow, these guys are in a great position to lend. Now, we will bring a lending expert on the show in future. We've actually got one lined up, which Grant, you're aware of as well. But I look at this now and just as the comparison once again, if you're employed, you need 12 or 13 weeks worth of payslips and you can get access to lending. You're perceived as safe. Yep. But in this business owner side of things, you might need two years of good books to acquire uh, lending that you would like or be able to purchase the things you do. But again, I know this episode's framed up as the unfair advantage. It's not necessarily sounding like an unfair advantage at this time. Once you know that, you can start running your business in a way to look more profitable, to have things in place. And that's certainly what I did. And you mentioned this point before about controlling income. I actually resisted hiring a couple of people I was going after in that financial year. I put it off one month so that I didn't have those extra expenses. So my books looked that little bit better. You cannot do that as a um, employee. And then the other side, I actually put off purchasing a car because, again, I didn't want to have that car pushing down the profitability of the company. So I waited till after and I, I bought it after. So these are moves you can make within uh, lending specifically here that can make a huge difference to what finance you actually get ac- uh, access to. Yeah, and from my side, I have actually done something similar with the lending expert that we're going to be getting on where the advice that I had received was, well, how can we get more revenue just coming through the business? And so I help out quite a few businesses around and I said, okay, well, instead of paying this way and that way and that way, we're actually going to funnel this in through the business, these different directions in order to increase the revenue and the profit that the business is making. For me, at the end of the day, it didn't impact my personal income too much, but from a bank's perspective, they actually looked at it and went, oh, wow, this is so much better than it originally was. But I remember going back in the day when I wasn't in those two years and going to the partner and going, Hazel, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to use your income because she was an employee at the time and that's what we're going to go to the banks with. And the banks actually gave us a, a joint loan off her income, not mine, because I hadn't had the two years. Well, let's be honest, you're a bit of a liability. Yeah, I'm a, uh, a, hey. a liability. <laughs> No, they're giving me money now. Like That is the main thing. How but funny. that's... As business owners, that's what we need to do, right? Because you've got to use the resources around you. But once I understood, okay, this is the two years that I have to wait, that's fine. Okay, well, how can I play this game, right? And then it's now we've got the leverage on my side and we go, cool, now she, we're not as dependent 
on her income. We can go, cool, now we can make the decisions that we want because we've got this great business supporting us through good lending. Do you know what? I want to uh, ask a question here. I wonder if this is true for me. Have you noticed a night and day difference when you work with, let's say, a broker or an accountant or whoever it is who's used to working with business owners versus employees? Have you noticed the – and this might have been one of the things we should really put in at some point as an episode, Grant. My experience has been when you work with professionals who are used to working with business owners, they approach things very differently. It, completely. So this was a conversation I had with my past accountant. I said, I've got business entities and personal entities and obviously myself and my wife. Uh, there is one goal, our wealth. Can you help us get to that? And they're like, what do you mean? We've got to do compliance, compliance, compliance. What do you mean strategy in order for this to grow? And it was like the little bell was just going ping. All right, let's go looking elsewhere. <laughs> like that was it. And it was, but it was the same for a mortgage broker, right? There was, I had used a previous mortgage broker, which was, yep, cool. We're going to get the mortgage. And I'm like, but do you get that this is like a, a bigger play? Like don't treat this as a single thing. And so I got like put onto like a locked in, uh, interest only, which means I, I have no flexibility around it and all these kind of things because that's what he was used to. And now I use a mortgage broker who's like, ah, oh, dude, we're going for a long game. Like, that's fine. I'm going to position everything you got now in order to do good lending. And now, you know what? My accountant, my mortgage broker talk to each other. Like, they have emails without me, right? Because why? They're looking out for me. <laughs> that's it. Like, I am their success criteria. So, I, I completely agree. And that's like the leverage that you want. Yeah, huge one. Aligned with, again, understanding that you're a business owner and it's different for you and then understanding the goal, right? There's a ton of business owners out there that don't have wealth goals, right? They're not trying to accomplish things financially as well. So, layering those criteria and making sure your team aligned, I like that a lot. We're going to jump into the next one, Grant, uh, which we've kind of touched on, but I think there's an important uh, point here, which is tax. Tax is a huge, huge topic and something we get the privilege of paying a lot of in Australia. So, where's your view on how this is different um, for Australian business owners or so, our advantage? I love being able to sit down every month with the accountant and the mortgage broker and just going, how much should I pay myself? <laughs> right? It's like, what, all right, mortgage broker, what do you need in order to make my lending look really good? And they're like, what? So, and what, by the looks of that, it is, well, I need to pay myself a salary because that's what the banks look for or some kind of distribution because that's what, the, again, the banks look for. But then my accountant and my mortgage broker just look at each other going, okay, cool. This is what you need. Three months of this or five months of that. Or you know what? We're going to hold this back and push that forwards. And they go, awesome. That's exactly where we're going to go. But one of the key things that I found out, probably not recently, probably it's been a little while now, was the ability as a business owner to not pay yourself a consistent salary. So unlike an employee, you get this per month until you get a pay increase or you get a new job. I can fluctuate. I can like drop this month, increase this month, drop this month, increase this month. But the other great thing is I've had months where I'm, I will take a distribution instead of a salary. Why? Because I want that extra 10% to go into, uh, the extra 10%, sorry, for a, not paying superannuation on a, a dividend, like a Key point there. I might just lay that one up for anyone who's following along and not aware. If you uh, pay yourself as a distribution, you do not have to pay superannuation on that. But if you pay yourself as a PAYG salary, you do pay Always. into your superannuation and you get to balance those two. You get to make a call on how you want to do it. Um, again, it's a, it's a really powerful thing to understand as the unfair advantage here that employees just can't do in the same way. 
Yeah, definitely. And so for us, like it was like, great. Okay, well, can we invest better than my superannuation fund? But also now we're looking at the tax side of it going, okay, well, I can employ my wife, I can employ me, I can employ more people in order to distribute these funds, again, for our family wealth to to increase. But what about yourself, Charlie? Like, what have you, obviously, you've probably le- used the same levers that I have, but anything else that you've jumped into? Yeah, definitely. I, I want to cover a different advantage first, but kind of in the same uh, thing that basically it's this fl- flexibility to pay yourself or not. And then also how you pay yourself, I think is two huge ones, which are massive. But the examples I've got is I actually know someone who's a uh, property investor. They've been doing it quite a while and there came a point where they needed to sell a property. Now, when you sell a property, you would pay capital gains tax on that property. Um, There's more layers to that, but we'll keep it simple for this conversation. And what they decided to do to bring down their tax is rather than just pay themselves as normal in their business and then also have this property income to deal with, they said, right, I get paid zero this year. I'm going to retain earnings in my business and then the only income I'm going to take is from this property and then I'll use other vehicles to work that around down the track. And I, when I heard that, I'm like, you Smart. cannot do that as an employee. You can't go to your boss and say, retain the earnings. Like this is something where if you're looking at a sell-down strategy at some point, which we all have to, right? There's an exit yeah. game. Um, then when you get to that point is you can do it very, very differently than other things there. So that was a really clever strategy I looked at. And then the other one that I'll mention here is that uh, this development keeps coming up. I might as well mention it again. When we were tackling a development project that we wanted to do, um, we very much utilized paying ourselves more at that point to make our incomes look higher. And when I say hi, you've got to have a good business, right? You can't just fudge the numbers or cook the books. We just elected to pay ourselves more in that period because we wanted funds to do the actual works on the subdivision. So we elected to do that for the reasons that helped us here. Again, I know I'm getting a little bit in the weeds here, but I just wanted to give two real examples of how we can do things that uh, employees can't and why that's a massive advantage uh, if you are a business owner and know how to play that game. Yeah, and and I know too... Two other sort of points, like I've spoken to quite a few people who uh, both the, the partners work in the business and what they do is they adjust the income, right, to, to play on the tax brackets. So instead of one earning like a significantly high income and the other one earning a smaller income, they'll adjust it and they'll just try and level so that they're not paying a huge amount of tax. Again, you just can't do that as an employee. If one's on a huge salary and the other one's on a lower salary, you've got to take that as it comes. Yeah, so that prob- that probably then goes straight into our next one here. So our next point on the list, this is an important one, and I- I'm thrilled we get the opportunity to discuss this one a little bit because it's hugely misunderstood, and that's structures. That's absolutely structures. Um, so I might kick this one off because I want to I want to use an example, and then I'll get your uh, chime in on it. If you are um, technically a sole trader, every cent the business makes, you get taxed on in effectively the same way an employee would. So yep. it's, right, it's not not a huge advantage to that. Um, when, you're a, when you have a PTY LTD, so when you have a company in Australia, you get to play a different tax game altogether. You really do. And there's some massive advantages of when that's worth it. I won't discuss that. And you should definitely speak to an accountant and not just act on the advice of two people on a podcast. Uh, <laughs> but then the third one is, is there's an opportunity as business owners where you get to layer up a company and trusts. And when you're able to layer all those two in, it's kind of like it enables a superpower. So I'll go through some examples here is that uh, trusts have the idea where you can do that balancing income. 
So for myself and Bianca, and again, speak to your tax advisor, uh, for me and my partner, we're able to utilize these structures to maintain a better tax balance than just me earning all the money in a PAYG job or employed. Now, over a lifetime, this can be a massive, massive difference in how you skin things out. So I think this ability to utilize different structures, such as trusts or company structures, and there's a whole bunch of them out there, can be hugely advantageous depending on what you're looking to do on your wealth creation journey. Yeah, and I know I've utilized the exact same thing, right, which is distributions to the wife. Um, But you can also do distributions, and I've seen quite a lot of people do this, to retired parents, right, who might not be working. And I know there's limitations to it. So, again, go and see your tax professionals around that. But, for example, I know of people who, at the time, it was a a tax-free threshold of just under about $20,000, who went, mum, $20,000, Twenty thousand, add twenty thousand, and they just left it there until the end of the financial year, and then they just had a, a cool. You can hold on to them, and I don't know how whatever they did, but whether they transferred it back or otherwise, but that was just a way that they could utilize their structures in order to help the family out, but also help their wealth out as well. And so these structures is so critical for you to at least understand that there is opportunity there to set up an unfair advantage. But again, like there's so many legalities and requirements that go into it, but also so many different types of trusts and company structures that you definitely need to go and see a professional around it before you just go, ah, hey, these guys are talking about that I can do all of these things because, again, it's all legal requirements. Right? So we will, we will bring on an expert as well. We will be. And sorry to chime in on that, but I don't want to – again, we've kind of made people aware of what they are, but they may not utilize them. We're going to bring on an expert to go deeper into this one specifically because I think it's a massively important topic. And Another one, this has to be a a super important point, mitigating risk. What do you see as an unfair advantage to risk mitigation for business owners? Well, I'll be honest, I don't see this as an unfair advantage. I see this as a little bit of a disadvantage. (laughs) (laughs) Oi. Okay, so like we've painted, I like to think we've painted a picture of like where the positives are. I I really do. And it's like all these areas are hugely advantageous to business owners versus employees. But let's cover the other side of things here. So this is some of the disadvantages. I must admit the big the big thing for me that I think people who have a employment will see differently is I am very much aware and concerned of payroll. Like I I cannot imagine how terrible I would feel if I got to the point where as one month I couldn't pay my team. Like it would actually potentially break me. And because of that, it would hurt my identity and ego. I would like to think I'd come back from it, but like it's very important to me that my team is well looked after. So I'm unwilling to risk not having payroll reserves. I'm not going to do it. So for me, it means that I might invest a little bit less and keep higher cash reserves in the business just so I can make payroll or pay the lease or rent or be able to buy stock, where if you look at the employee, they don't have to necessarily do those things. And if you work in government, like maybe you're a teacher or something in the health system where like you can be pretty much guaranteed that isn't going anywhere, you don't necessarily have to think about the reserves in the same way. I'll give you one more example. I was listening to a podcast earlier. If you work in accounting or are a doctor or a lawyer, you can actually borrow more money without uh, taking on lender's mortgage insurance because of the stability of your work. So you can actually go higher because they're like, no, you ain't going nowhere. Like if you're doing this, like you are good. You be needed. Where to the other side of that, that's not going to happen in business owner land. So I I think very much about the other side of these equations of like, you know, be aware of these advantages, but also accept you have different responsibilities than employees as well. And you also get 
the opportunity to mitigate that risk, right? Like I know people who have held cash reserves, which they've just offset paying GST or paying their tax or otherwise on these amounts within their business for those events or for those circumstances. Let's make an example of that one. Let's let's do that because I think that's a, a really powerful point that we can make bigger. So what you're, what you're suggesting there is that um, as a business owner across the year, you hold the tax that you in future have to pay to the government. So you exactly. collect your GST, you're collecting um, income tax, PAYG, all that tax that goes through. Now, across that time, you're suggesting here that we could hold it in offset accounts on mortgages or hold it in a way against investments that could be advantageous till we pay that reserve out. And I, we I, and I have done that exact thing because at the end of the day, like I will pay my GST and I will pay my PAYG, but as a the employee and the business owner, I can choose when to pay it within that financial year, right? Like I can hold off those decisions for myself. So I'm just doing the maths on this. Let's say you pay a hundred grand a year of tax, just round numbers, round numbers, and you've got an offset account on a mortgage that is at three and a half percent or something like that. Roughly, we'll use three percent for this. That would mean if you held that, you would essentially make three grand a year off the money you're holding in reserves until you've got to pay your tax there. Just yeah, just by waiting until the end of the year, or at the end of the financial year. Yeah, employees can't do that. <laughs> but there's so many of these different ideas. And this is where accountants and, and mortgage brokers and all these guys know the ins and outs, especially if they're playing this game, right? Because they go, yes, you can do these things. And that's so there are, even though there is risk to this, there are definitely many, many, many ways you can mitigate risk and get a little bit of an upside on top of it as well. Yeah, it's, so, it's not better or worse, is it? It's just different. It's and just again, different. If you've listened to this episode and your accountant or team isn't doing these things, please have a conversation with them about it because it might just be a conversation that could lead to one of these things helping you more. But of course, speak to a professional. Yeah. And I I liken it to your analogy at the start, which was like, how do you evaluate a fish's ability to climb a tree? And I'm like, go and put the tree under, under the water and then evaluate it. And that's all we're trying to do here. We might be fish looking to climb a tree, put the tree underwater. I'll beat you. I'll get above your monkey. Don't worry about it. So, out of all of the unfair advantages that we've covered off today, which one do you think is the most important and why? It's a very powerful list here, Grant. I think the most important one in my mind is the structures one. I think that is the biggest advantage business owners have that is just uniquely available and not necessarily carrying amount of risk. Like I think uh, effort versus return is just so much higher if you utilize your structures well, like trusts and companies. And it is like that set it up and then once you've set it up once it just gives you the benefit continually because i'd piggyback off on that is once the structure is set up appropriately income control for me like the second i've got that foundation i know that i can play the game so that was my runner up i I nearly went it by the way but again i just looked to the benefit that understanding structures has had and tipped the hat for me but i respect your decision right notable mention to income control like that's absolutely so important perfect If you have enjoyed this episode and you are looking for any of the calculators, templates, checklists or anything like that that we use ourselves in our wealth creation, head over to assetblocks.com.au, click free resources and get access to these tools yourself. So if you did enjoy the episode, be sure to subscribe or even if you know someone who is a business owner that's going, how can I get an unfair advantage? What does this look like? And would actually get some benefit from the stories we have shared, feel free to send this link over to them. Thanks again for joining us and we look forward to catching you in the next episode of Asset Blocks Business Owner Edition.